0: Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Cases. I know it's been a few weeks. For those of you who don't follow this podcast on social media, I actually live right outside of New Orleans and my family and I had to evacuate due to Hurricane Ida and when we returned we were without power for about 10 days and then even when our power got restored, we were without any internet service until just this Wednesday night. So it just got restored and due to that I haven't been able to get all my research done. No businesses in town have had any Wi-Fi or anything like that so it's not like I could even go to like a Starbucks and sit there. Um, But I do appreciate everyone being so patient and understanding while we dealt with that. But on this podcast, I prefer to cover ongoing investigations, obviously, with the intent of spreading as much awareness as I possibly can. I'm a very small podcast um, about these cases to as many people as possible. And this week is no exception to that. I had previously been working on another case when this one gained a lot of attention um, and I it came across my radar and I saw it. And the case I was previously working on is already at the trial stage. So there is someone being held accountable and the victim is currently receiving her justice so i decided to postpone that case and i wanted to cover this one instead so this week i will be covering the disappearance of gabby petito who goes by the nickname Gabby, is 22 years old. She is 5 foot 5 inches, 110 pounds, with blonde hair and blue eyes. She had several tattoos, including one on her right forearm that reads Let It Be, as well as a triangle with flowers on her left arm. It is unknown what Gabby was wearing at the time of her disappearance. So Gabby was born on March 19th of 1999 and lived most of her life in Blue Point, which is in Suffolk County of New York. Gabby graduated from Bayport Blue Point High School in 2017 and remained in Blue Point until moving to Northport, Florida, to be with her childhood sweetheart Brian Laundrie and his family. Now Brian was also from the same area of New York, but his family had relocated to Florida. From what I could find on social media, it looks like the two had been officially dating dating since March of 2019 since they started posting like one year anniversary photos on each other's social media around that time. Now on July 3rd of 2020, according to Brian's social media, the pair got engaged and the caption to the photo he posted for that reads, quote, My biggest fear is that one day I'll wake up and it will all have been a dream because that is what every second has felt like since the moment we found each other. Till death do us part or until I wake up, I'm so happy the answer was yes. Love you, honey, end quote. Gabby also took to social media to announce their engagement, writing the caption, quote, Brian asked me to marry him and I said yes. Brian, you make me feel unreal and every day is such a dream with you, end quote. Now, I've read a few different stories about this engagement. Um, I did read one that said straight from Gabby's mom that the couple had actually called off their engagement because they felt like they were maybe too young to be getting so serious and to be getting married, and they felt that it was happening a little quickly, so they actually called off the engagement and just went back to dating. I also read online that... They simply postponed any wedding planning just due to the pandemic since they got engaged in 2020. I'm not sure what's just rumor or speculation. I'm assuming Gabby's mom obviously had insight into what was really going on, Um, but I did want to mention That I also heard Gabby's mom refer to Brian as, quote, the boyfriend in an interview. Um, So that also led me to believe that maybe they'd taken a step back and decided that they just weren't ready to be engaged yet. Now, Gabby and Brian had been back in Blue Point, New York, celebrating Gabby's younger brother's high school graduation in July of this year. And according to ABC7 New York, the pair departed Blue Point on July 2nd to go on a cross-country road trip that they had been planning for some time. The pair were going to be living out of a white 2012 Ford Transit van that they had renovated the entire interior of to live out of during their travels. Now, Gabby in particular was pretty active on social media and the couple had actually started a YouTube channel to document their sort of van life adventures that they were about to set off on. Their YouTube channel is actually called Nomadic Static with a K instead of a C in the static. Um, And as of today, they have almost 20,000 YouTube subscribers I'm assuming some of those have come over since this case has gotten so much publicity, so I'm not sure what their count was for subscribers before this happened, Um, but they also have one video up on their channel. And the description of the video to kind of introduce you to their channel says, quote, a glimpse into our van adventures. After our first cross-country trip in a little Nissan Sentra, we both decided we wanted to downsize our lives and travel full-time. But trying to fit everything for two people into the Tiny little trunk of the car, also spending way too much money on food, gas, and Airbnb was not the road to take. We quickly realized we had to come up with a solution if we wanted to continue traveling and living nomadically. So that's why we handcrafted our own tiny van. A simple 2012 Ford Transit Connect, utilizing space with unique designs and features, creating a space for both artistic expression and distance hiking. Thank you so much for watching and we hope you tag along on our journey wherever the van takes us. And then it says, follow our van life journey for some awesome van life ideas, tips, hacks, camping spots, and so many beautiful places to travel. So it definitely seems like they're trying to tap into um, the traveling influencer sort of market for sure. And I want to mention that this lifestyle isn't a new thing for them from Gabby's Instagram. They're, they're a very outdoorsy couple. They love hiking. They go camping. They're constantly in nature. So it just seemed like this van was kind of the next step in, in their in their lives, really. But it fit into what they were doing beforehand. So I'm gonna go over this timeline from this trip that they go on. From what I can gather, mainly it's gonna be off of Gabby's Instagram. And her Instagram username is Gabs Petito. If you would like to go look at her profile for yourself, I will also have it linked below in the show notes. Now, I want to preface this timeline by saying that it's unlikely that Gabby is posting in real time on her social media throughout this timeline. For safety purposes, most people who have any sort of following or are wanting to break into that traveling industry on social media, they're not posting in real time from a location until they've until they've already left that location for safety purposes. You never know who's following you on the internet, um, whether they be fans or creeps. I think that this is something everyone should do, especially if you have a public profile. But yeah, so some of these dates are not going to be the exact day that Gabby was actually in that location, but we can assume that the entire trip is actually in chronological order and that her social media is just going to be about a day or two, maybe a few days behind where she actually was at the time. Okay, so let's dive right in. So her first post about this adventure is on July 4th, where the location is tagged as Monument Rocks which is in the state of Kansas, and her caption on this photo is, quote, there's no place like the tiny home we built. Hashtag van life, hashtag travel, hashtag adventure blogger. Her next photo is posted on July 8th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. After this, the couple heads to the Great Sand Dunes National Park and Preserve in Mosca, Colorado, Mosca, Colorado which is about two and a half to three hours from Colorado Springs, depending on the route you take. And she posts photos here on July 10th with a caption that says, After going on our first road trip across the country in my tiny car, we felt like there was just so much we missed. Turning this Ford Transit essentially into a camper was such an adventure in itself, but I couldn't love the way it turned out more. All the places it's brought us so far have been amazing. As soon as we got to the great sand dunes, I didn't want to leave. There was so much to hike, but as soon as the campsites open up the dunes for summer they fill up instantly along with the overnight parking permits lucky enough I called right at the right time when someone canceled and was able to score us a campsite for two nights overlooking the dunes I'm so grateful we got such an awesome spot to spend the night and surf the dunes and the night sky here was insane never seen so many stars end quote on July 11th Gabby posted another photo at the dunes with the caption Just saying that it was their last day in Colorado and that they were headed to Utah next. Her next post comes on July 16th and this is at Zion National Park with a few photos of Gabby hiking and the caption on this says, the past two nights camping in Zion have been so cool, literally. We hiked up here in about 100 degrees and it was so nice coming back to our campsite watching the sky fill with dark clouds and viewing the lightning storm in the nice, cool air of the light rain, end quote. She goes on to post a few more times from Zion National Park on July 18th. Now, on July 21st, she posted from Bryce Canyon National Park, which is about an hour and a half to two and a half hours from Zion National Park. Um, but both parks are still in the state of Utah. In this post, she mentions in her caption that they had gone from Zion to a place called Cedar Breaks National Monument, then continued on to Bryce Canyon. Cedar Breaks is north of Zion, and then you can head east to Bryce Canyon, so it's like along the way, it's in the middle of the two, kind of. She posts again from Bryce Canyon on July 22nd with the caption, quote, Every night that we have camped so far inside any national park, it's rained, end quote. The couple then got back on the road for another two hours and they head to Mystic Hot Springs, which is in Monroe, Utah. And Gabby posts a few photos from there on July 26th. On July 30th, Gabby posts from Canyonlands National Park in Monticello, Utah, with the caption this is a long one. Here we go. Quote, Brian hikes barefoot everywhere we go. If it were up to him, he wouldn't own any shoes. But I just find it funny how many people comment on the fact that he is barefoot. As soon as we reached the end of this easy walk, I kicked off my sanooks, which is just a type of shoe. And this woman who seemed very concerned asked me if the crust was hot. I was in such a different mindset that this question phased me. Even if it was boiling lava, I was just so happy to be there that I don't think about the sun. Surprisingly enough, the rocks were cold. No, not ice cold, but cool. Magically, the sandy crust doesn't retain any heat. So not only did it feel good because it was 100 degrees with no shade, but it was tranquil. We always love surpassing people on our hikes, hearing them say things like, quote, whoa, he's look, he's barefoot, end quote. Brian inspires me every day on living a more natural lifestyle, building my feet up so I don't have to bring my shoes in case. Hashtag walk barefoot, end quote. Now, Gabby posts again the next day, July 31st, from Canyonlands. And then the next location we see them in is Arches National Park in Moab, Utah. On August 12th, Gabby posted a photo at Arches National Park, along with a caption reading, on a calm Monday morning, Brian and I decided to take the highly trafficked hike to Delicate Arch. Not sure if it's because it was 7 a.m. on a Monday, but there was actually not as many people on the trail as I expected. After waiting in a short line for someone to generously take our photo, Brian and I made our way to the other side of the arch. We also camped for one night in Devil's Garden with the cover off of our tent to fall asleep watching the stars trying to catch a glimpse of the Perseid meteor shower, end quote. She goes on to post again in the same location at that Arches Park um, on the same day, August 12th. And August 12th is an interesting day in this timeline because the two actually have a run-in with law enforcement on this day. So according to ABC7 New York, officers were called to reports of disorderly conduct, Brian and Gabby reportedly got into some sort of physical altercation during an argument that kind of sprouted up when Brian got into the van with dirty feet and the argument kind of escalated from there. According to the witness who placed the 911 call, the pair were fighting over what looked like a phone. And when Brian got back into the van, Gabby struck him in the arm and she attempted to climb in through the driver's side window of the van as if maybe Brian had locked her out of the vehicle or something. When law enforcement responded to this, they headed down the road in the direction the van had gone and they soon caught up to Brian and Gabby and I believe the police report said that they were speeding. So at that point, the officer pulled them over near the entrance of Arches National Park. When the officer approached the vehicle, he found that Gabby was crying heavily in the passenger side seat and she told the officer that she was struggling with her mental health. The officer noted in his report, quote, at no point in my investigation did Gabby stop crying, breathing heavily, or compose a sentence without needing to wipe away tears, wipe her nose, or rub her knees with her hands, end quote. When the officer went to speak with Brian, he told the officer that the two of them had begun arguing in town and that the two had some tension that had been building due to them traveling together for the past four to five weeks, which was resulting in them getting into more arguments here and there. Both Brian and Gabby admitted that Gabby had struck Brian because she thought that he was going to leave her in Moab by herself. I think that's the point when he got into the van and locked her out and she thought, that he was gonna leave her there by herself. I know the officer noted that Brian did have scratches that were plainly visible um, that corroborated this story. And the officer noted, quote, the male tried to create distance by telling Gabby to take a walk to calm down. She did not want to be separated from the male and began slapping him. He grabbed her face and pushed her back as she pressed upon him and the van, end quote. When both Brian and Gabby stated that they did not want any charges pressed and that they both loved each other and the incident was not something they wanted called a domestic dispute, but rather the couple simply said that they needed a mental and emotional health break from each other. So the officer arranged for Brian to stay at a I've heard hotel and shelter. I think it's like a shelter of sorts in the area um, for the night. And Gabby kept possession of the van for that night. Now, a lot of people are focusing on this fight, obviously, um, and I try really, really hard to remain neutral on this podcast because of the fact that I mainly cover ongoing investigations and I'm a firm Believer in innocence until proven guilty. I think that's the only responsible way to tell these kinds of stories. Um, You can literally ruin someone's life with the wrong kind of accusations, um, even if you think that they're completely justified. So in order to be responsible... I try to remain very, very neutral on these kinds of subjects and kind of argue from both sides. I think every couple gets into arguments, especially if you're traveling together and you're with each other 24 seven. On top of that, they're in a small van. Um, Arguments are just bound to happen and it is what it is. And I'll touch on this more a little bit later, but there is body cam footage from this incident for Gabby and Brian both being interviewed. I believe it's like an hour and 17 minutes long. I am going to post the links to that in the show notes and then I will also try to post the video of that to my social media so that you guys can go watch that for yourselves if you would like to. So jumping back into the timeline, after this incident and her two posts from that same national park on August 12th, The next time Gabby posted to social media was on August 19th, and it's a photo of her in the van, and then it's like the slideshow kind of post, and another photo of just the van, and the caption reads, quote, almost immediately after telling Brian how happy it made me to see that people were truly respectful of the park, I watched some guy leave his processed pre-packaged plastic conglomerate of lunch garbage on the picnic table. Hashtag respect national parks, hashtag NPS, hashtag parks project, hashtag live sustainably, hashtag van life, hashtag live plastic free. Now a big difference on this photo versus the other photos that I've mentioned so far is that this is the first one that does not have a geotag on it or a location tagged. So that was the main out of place sort of thing about this post. Gabby does post, One last time to her Instagram on August 25th with several photos of her standing in front of a wall that has a monarch butterfly mural and she's holding like a little knitted pumpkin and the caption says, Happy Halloween. Now, again, no location is tagged here, although I did read in the comments and then confirmed with an article that this photo is taken in Ogden, Utah, which has this famous mural of the monarch butterfly somewhere in town. So it's a little odd that she's posting Happy Halloween on August 25th. I'm not sure what that's about, um, but people do think it's odd. So on August 21st, Gabby's father said that he placed an Uber Eats order for the couple who were in Salt Lake City at the time, and that's in Utah still. He told KSL News that Gabby had told him that there had been a power outage and that she didn't have any Wi-Fi, so he ordered her some food from his phone, and he just knows that the location was in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, the last time anyone spoke to Gabby was August 24th when her mother said that she FaceTimed with her daughter and Gabby had told her that they were going to be headed from Salt Lake City, Utah to Yellowstone National Park. Now Ogden, which is where I believe that last photo was taken, it's about 40 minutes away from Salt Lake City and a hotel near the Salt Lake City airport did confirm that Gabby stayed with them on August 24th I don't know if it was the night before that or the night of August 24th but it was on that date she was there of this year obviously around this same day is the last time that Gabby's mom actually heard her daughter's voice on the FaceTime call and Gabby told her that they were now in Grand Teton National Park which is in northwestern Wyoming and Grand Teton National Park is a five-hour drive from Salt Lake City Both Gabby's mother and father said August 24th was the day they departed Salt Lake City to head for Grand Teton National Park, and they said that they believed the couple stayed there for about two days, and that's according to the interview they gave to KSL News. Now, Gabby's mother, Nicole, has stated that she did continue to receive text messages from Gabby, but that she's unsure if her daughter was actually the one sending those messages or not. She didn't elaborate on why she had that feeling. As of yet, she hasn't come out and said anything, but I think we can all tell when someone that we're kind of close to is talking differently than normal, even if it's just over text messages. So I can assume that she has her reasons for that and she's also got that motherly instinct, which is unmatched. So I'm gonna trust that if she has a sneaky suspicion, then she's got her reasons for that. Gabby's mother said that she FaceTimed with her daughter about three times a week throughout this entire trip. That was like their normal amount of contact. And she told KSL, quote, she seemed okay to me at the time other than I don't know where the relationship was going with the boyfriend, end quote. Now, September 11th, which was a Saturday at 6.55 p.m., Nicole reports Gabby as missing after not hearing from her daughter for several days. And this is obviously where this case starts to take a bad turn and it starts getting very odd. Brian reportedly returned home to Florida alone with the van that is actually registered under Gabby's name, just so you know, on September 1st. So 10 days before she's reported missing. Now, not only is that odd for obviously reasons like where's Gabby? Why do you have the van if the two of you parted ways? But the trip was also originally planned to be for four months, which would have lasted until October of this year. So either way, the trip had been cut short for some reason. And what's more odd is that Brian didn't contact Gabby's family at all during this time. And I believe that Gabby's mom said in one of her interviews that she had reached out to both Brian and his mother before Gabby was reported missing and when she was trying to get a hold of her for those 10 days and that she was basically ignored and just never got a response from either of them. I believe it was on September 11th that police followed up by going to Brian's family home where they did find the van and Josh Taylor, who is the spokesperson for the North Point Police, told Insider.com, quote, we showed up, we see the vehicle, we take the vehicle, we make an attempt to talk to Brian, and his family declined to make him available. And they gave us the information for his attorney, end quote. Now, the lawyer for Brian did put out a statement on September 14th, in which he said, this is understandably an extremely difficult time for both the Petito family and the Laundrie family. It is our understanding that a search has been organized for Miss Petito in or near Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. On behalf of the Landry family, it is our hope that the search for Miss Petito is successful and that Miss Petito is re- reunited with her family. On the advice of counsel, the Landry family is remaining in the background at this juncture and will have no further comment." End quote. Gabby's family on the other hand has been extremely active in the media trying to spread as much awareness as possible for their daughter's disappearance and both parents including her her stepfather as well have given interviews and they are all being extremely cooperative with law enforcement her brother's Instagram account has been nothing but posts and flyers about his sister and about finding her and it's very obvious that they are desperate and doing everything in their power to raise awareness about this case and try to bring their daughter home safely. And I do know that they have set up a GoFundMe um, which I will link in the show notes if anyone wants to donate to um, helping the family with costs covering finding Gabby. Um, you can go donate there. I'll post that in the show notes. The Petito family released a statement on September 14th saying quote, Brian is refusing to tell Gabby's family where he last saw her. Brian is also refusing to explain why he left Gabby all alone and drove her van to Florida. These are critical questions that require immediate answers. End quote. On September 15th, North Point Police held a news conference where they further confirmed that Brian had not been cooperating at all with law enforcement And was refusing to be interviewed. That same day, the Petito family put out another statement saying, quote, Brian, your silence is reprehensible. We beg you to do the right thing and help us bring Gabby home. Brian, whatever happened in Wyoming happened. The only thing you can control is what you do now. Tell us where Gabby is. You tarnish your love for her with your silence, end quote. Brian's lawyer then put out a statement reaffirming that Brian had no plans and would not be cooperating with law enforcement in the future, saying, quote, In my experience, intimate partners are often the first person law enforcement focuses their attention on in cases like this and the warning that quote any statement made against made will be used against you end quote is true regardless of whether my client had anything to do with miss petito's disappearance as such on the advice of counsel mr laundry is not speaking on the matter end quote now one member of the laundry family did speak out and that is brian's sister cassie she spoke with abc news and i believe good morning america Where she said, Quote, obviously, me and my family want Gabby to be found safe. She's like a sister, and my children love her. And all I want is for her to come home safe and found, and this to just be a big misunderstanding, end quote. Now, on September 16th, police released the body cam footage from the incident that I touched on earlier in Moab. And this same day, the Petitos wrote, the Laundry family a letter begging for any cooperation in finding their daughter and I'm going to read that right now so it says Christopher and Roberta Laundry, we are writing this letter to ask you to help find our beautiful daughter we understand you are going through a difficult time and your instinct to protect your son is strong we ask you put yourselves in our shoes we haven't been able to sleep or eat and our lives are falling apart We believe you know the location where Brian left Gabby. We beg you to tell us. As a parent, how could you let us go through this pain and not help us? As a parent, how could you put Gabby's younger brothers and sisters through this? Gabby lived with you for over a year. She was going to be your daughter-in-law. How can you keep her location hidden? You were both at Jim and Nicole's house. You were both so happy that Brian and Gabby got engaged and were planning to spend their lives together. Please, if you or your family has any decency left, please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. All we want is Gabby to come home. Please help us make that happen. And it was signed Jim Schmidt and Nicole Schmidt, which is um, Gabby's mom and stepfather, I believe. And Joe Petito and Tara Petito, which is her paternal father or her maternal father and her stepmother. And that is really the latest information that we have on this case right now. So at this point, I wanted to get into kind of a crazy theory that's been floating around about another case and if the two are linked. And I first off just wanted to say that while it is odd that Brian is not at the very least explaining to law enforcement what led to the two of them separating and returning to Florida without Gabby, his luring up is not suspicious to me personally I think anyone innocent or guilty should lawyer up in a situation like this because it's just the smart thing to do regardless of innocence I don't know what happened between the two of them um, it's not my job to speculate I do agree with people who say that it's odd like why aren't you at least telling them what happened before you left if you didn't do something wrong but I just wanted to be clear because like I said I cover a lot of active cases like this where someone is missing and everyone has an idea of who they think is responsible for that. But the fact of the matter is that we don't know and we won't know until we have evidence showing us who's responsible for whatever happened to Gabby. And hopefully, obviously, hopefully she's safe and this is a huge misunderstanding. Um, I think that's the outcome that everyone always is hoping for. Um, But we can all suspect all we want There's just no way for you to know unless you were in this situation yourselves or until law enforcement has released some sort of evidence pointing to someone. I wanna stress that the image put out on social media is a very small fraction of who people are. They are showing you exactly what part of their lives they want you to see. They cherry pick the best moments of the best days to show people, but behind the scenes, These are normal human beings with normal problems, normal couples who get into arguments who might suffer from anxiety or other mental health issues. And if they don't choose to show them that side of themselves, then that is their choice. But they are still real people, and it's really, really hard to get an idea on a full spectrum of who someone is just by going on their social media. And I'm just saying this because I've read through the comments on Brian's social media posts. And While I can understand that people are worried about Gabby and they want her to be found safe, I also want to share the idea that what if Brian isn't responsible for this, although it looks like he would be because he's the last person to be seen with her, he's the significant other. Statistically speaking, yes, I know that it does look like Brian has something to do with it. But if he didn't, think about the impact that these types of comments are having on him I just want to throw that out there I'm not saying that I think Brian's innocent I'm saying that this is all speculation but I'm also saying that we should never be advocating for the things that are going on on his page right now at this stage of an investigation with absolutely no proof and no idea what has actually happened Now, if something comes out and shows that he was involved or responsible for something horrible, then have at it. You know, that's a different situation. But as of right now, this person is still supposed to be presumed innocent, even if his actions don't necessarily reflect what we think an innocent person would be doing in this situation. Now, I just felt an obligation to say that. And I also want to be clear that Gabby is the victim in this case and finding her is the goal of on everyone's mind and of me doing this episode and spreading awareness about this case to any amount of people, no matter how small or large is worth it to me. So tell your friends about this case. If another podcast that you like better covered this case, tell spread that podcast, whatever you, whatever you think will spread awareness for Gabby. That's really what it's about her picture, put it everywhere um, and just talk about it with people. Cause this is something that, you could change how this turns out possibly. You never know who knows something and who is just has their head under a rock and doesn't know what's going on right now and who might have that one tip that could lead to hopefully Gabby being found safe. So that's the whole spiel I wanted to go on for that. But now I want to dive into this sort of really bizarre theory floating around about the possible link between Gabby's disappearance and a double homicide that took place in Moab, Utah at the same time that Gabby and Brian were there. So August 13th, the day after officers had responded to an altercation between Brian and Gabby, a couple actually went missing after leaving a bar in Moab. So days later, the two were found murdered near a campsite in Moab. Kylan Schultz and Crystal Turner were a local couple that lived in the area and Kylan actually worked as a cashier at Moonflower Community Cooperative and coincidentally this is where the witness who had seen the incident between Brian and Gabby with the van and her being locked out and hitting him and then they took off from there that actually happened I believe it was like right near the Moonflower Community Cooperative or in the parking lot. I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but I know it was around there and I know that the name of that business has been thrown around. So as far as I can tell, this is the main link that people are focusing on for these two cases. But I do know that Kylan and Crystal were last seen at a bar called Woody's Tavern in Moab and that was on August 13th and five days later they were found shot to death at their campsite in the South Mesa area of LaSalle Loop Road. A search warrant for that case revealed that Schultz had sent a text to a friend that actually said, quote, if something had happened to them, that they were murdered, and that there had been a creepy man around their camp that they actually found intimidating, end quote. And that's so scary to me, the fact that that text message was even found but law enforcement has come out and said that they are looking into any and all possibilities when it comes to this case and as of now they have not ruled out a possible link between the two cases so I found this to be a little far out but you just never know I think the idea behind this is that what people are saying is that they think maybe Brian is responsible for this this is all conjecture. None of it is proven. This is all speculation, obviously, but that is a theory floating around that I felt was interesting and worth mentioning. So, let me know what you guys think about that um, on our social media. But as of right now, that's what we have on that case. I'm going to. Stay up to date and current with it. And as soon as more information comes out, I will update you guys. If you find information that you think that I left out or didn't find, let me know. Um, I think, you know, we could all work together and just try to spread as much awareness about this case as possible. If you have any cases that you want to hear, um, please send them over to me and I will look into them and probably cover them. But until then, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of True Crime Cases. If you or anyone you know has any information about the whereabouts of Gabby Petito, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-220-TIPS. The Northport Police Department is also assisting this case and can be reached at 941-429-7382. And in addition to that, the FBI Tampa Field Office is also assisting in this investigation, and you can call a tip-in to 1-800-CALL-FBI or submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov. All of my sources for this episode will be linked below in the show notes, as well as my social media, so you guys can check that out, all the photos and videos that I'm going to share pertaining to this case I will also link the GoFundMe for the Petito family like I mentioned earlier if you would like to donate and thank you all so much again thank you for your patience these past few weeks and thank you for sticking it with me and tuning back in I will be back next week with a brand new episode and I hope you all enjoy your weekend